Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. He said, you're the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel basket, but sets it on a lampstand so that it can give light to all in the house. Therefore, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He said, don't think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of one letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm going to lighten it up a little bit and show you a quick little video of a prank that I saw recently online. It happens kind of quickly at the beginning, so in case you miss it, all you need to know is that when this mother asks her husband and her son to try her new chili recipe, they don't see her cover a heaping spoonful of salt with a little bit of chili and a couple of beans before she spoon-feeds it to them to get their opinion. The tagline for that video said something about how far men would go to avoid trouble. <laughs> Even, apparently, about something as small and insignificant as a terrible-tasting batch of chili. When Jesus tells the crowd on the hillside in this morning's gospel that they are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He wasn't talking about chili or making jokes. He was trying to get them to think differently about the kind of flavor their faith brings to the world. And I happen to think all of it has more than a little bit to do with their willingness and their unwillingness and ours, too to engage a little bit of trouble for the sake of the kingdom along the way. You are the salt of the earth, he tells them, but if salt has lost its taste, if you have lost your flavor, what good is it? What good are you? What are you doing here? What is the point of this? He says, you're the light of the world. Like a city on a hill, like a lamp on a stand, like a beacon in the night, don't cover yourselves up. Don't hide under a basket. Let your light so shine so that others can see what you're up to. So people know what God is doing through you and for you and for the sake of the world. I think the reason 
mainline Christian denominations in the church in the world these days are struggling, failing to reach younger generations, I mean, or to connect with those reasonably cynical about who we are and what we're up to, is because we've lost some of our taste, some of our saltiness, some of what adds flavor and zip and zest to the world. What I mean is so many talk in the church about the generosity and the abundance of God, but too many are looking to collect on that, to benefit from that themselves rather than to give it away. Too many live quite notoriously with clenched fists and with closed-up wallets. The church uses words like mission and outreach, but consumes itself with itself too much of the time, worrying more about buildings and budgets and butts in seats than about leaving what is so comfortable for us, living out in the world, seeking, finding, and loving our neighbor. For generations, Mainline denominations like Lutherans and Episcopalians and Presbyterians and the like have been singing like we did last Sunday. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. But our churches aren't getting any more colorful than we were when I first learned that song back in Sunday school. Look around. And I don't mean to rain on our parade here this morning. We have so much to be glad about and plenty to celebrate it and even a little to be proud of when it comes to how we do church here in this place. And when I think of the very unique voice Cross of Grace is in our community. But do you know that I've had three conversations in as many weeks lately with people in our neck of the woods who were genuinely surprised to know of Cross of Grace's stance and wide welcome to the LGBTQ community. They didn't know that about us. And that others have been equally surprised to learn about the very faithful, deliberate work we've tried to do here recently where racial justice and anti-racism education is concerned. They didn't know that about us here. It makes me wonder under what kind of chili are we hiding our salt? And why? Why are what I and so many of you believe to be the most faithful and uniquely gracious things about our ministry not the things that more people out there in the world know about us? People for whom it would matter most even. So I can't help but be as inspired as I am unsettled by those words from Isaiah this morning. Words that surely inspired and unsettled Jesus too. 
all that stuff about loosing the bonds of injustice, about letting the oppressed go free, about sharing my bread with the hungry, bringing the homeless poor into my house and covering up the naked and all the rest. It's all stuff that surely inspired and convicted Jesus to encourage people not to worship and practice their piety at the expense of their flavor. Not to hide their light. Not to keep their good works and good deeds to themselves or make them too much about themselves. But to let it all shine for the sake of a world that needs to know it comes from the very heart and call of God. Because I think we can be too much like that mom and her salty chili and too much like that father and son who choke it down pretending everything is just fine. Because the truth is the salt of God's grace can be hard to serve up and difficult to share and even harder to swallow sometimes if we're honest about it. Because it means that when we see what's happening in the world around us, as far away as Yemen and Ukraine and as close as Memphis and Main Street, we're supposed to call out its ugliness plainly and refuse to choke it down without saying or doing something to make it better. It means we challenge each other to give more, sacrificially sometimes, more than feel safe or wise or fiscally responsible even. Because we have resources that most people in the world, statistically speaking, simply do not have at their disposal. It means we welcome and we care for and we love even those the world refuses because so many of us have received welcome and care and love by God's grace that we don't deserve any more or any less than anybody else. It means we do the hard work of being vulnerable to the mercy and forgiveness we proclaim around here as much as we hope to change the world with that same mercy and forgiveness. And we do all of this with hope this salting and this lighting the world, I mean. We do it with hope for all the things Isaiah promises and what Jesus embodies. That our light, that the light of God will break forth like the dawn. That our healing, that humanity's healing will spring up quickly, finally. That our vindicator will go before us, that the glory of the Lord will have our back, that we will call on God and God will answer. That our needs will be satisfied in parched places. That as God's people, we will be known and we will be seen and we will be received like a spring of water for the thirsty, like rebuilt ruins for those in need of refuge, like a firm foundation for those who can't stand on their own, like a repairer of the breach for the broken among us, and like a restorer of streets to live in for a world 
searching for home. Amen.